Melody. Hey, Peter. What's up, Drew? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> that was pretty quick. Welcome to How College Works. So this episode is going to come out a little out of order since I am super behind on actually getting podcasts processed and then pushed out to people. Sorry, everyone. It has been a busy semester for me. Uh, but this one's going to come out out of order in which we record them because it seems timely to talk about how to deal with all the stuff that's coming down on students right now. So... It is October, but you should listen to this before October. <laughs> Actually, it's the end of October. It is. So it's just past midterm. Week 10, so having worked in the writing center like for like a lot of my life, week 10 is when people really started to cry at the tutoring table. So <laughs> week 10... Not, actually, just, not just some small tears, but just yeah, really yeah, ugly like, cry. Uh, should I walk you to the counseling center? But, like, yeah, week 10 is where things start to go south. At least that's been my um, experience. And then we're technically in week 11. And my students today seemed like they were really feeling the crunch. Yeah. I, think that, I think that, to be fair, week 10 is when it's now it's blindly obvious to everybody and there's no more, there's no more denying that it's going south. <laughs> you would yeah. think. I have students who are earning an F in one of my classes. I'm like, we've talked about this, but yet the things that need to happen have not been happening, and yet there is no drop slip appearing on my desk. You know, I mean, this is this is where what felt like a sprint you realize is a marathon. Uh Then you're all like, oh, I got it. You know, you're really pushing the beginning of semester. You're full of energy, and this is the point where you're all like, that I can't keep that up. And often that's the case for your professors as well. Huh. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I'm. This is into last week, beginning of this week has has been. Uh, I'm dragging. My students may not. Hopefully, don't realize it. Uh, my students know. It's it's uh, it's starting. It's starting. Starting to feel the weight of everything that I need to be doing and everything that I need to be keeping track of. What about what about you, Drew? You've you've actually changed jobs, so now you're actually IT. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. So w- when I was in the classroom, this, this is the longest stretch in October. It's like six or eight weeks with no break from right. what, Labor Day to Veterans Day. Uh, what? Uh, sorry? <laughs> we have oh. fall break to Thanksgiving break would be our long stretch. And it's, it's what, like six or seven weeks, something like I that? I cannot remember three days ago. Whatever. Yeah, so it, it's exactly like that. So for teachers and students, it's 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 a challenge, and you know you're into your regular classroom routine as a teacher and as a student, I guess, and and stuff keeps piling up. If you didn't turn it in, we still got next week's stuff that we're working on. So you're doing backup work, makeup work, and you're still doing today's work. It's all the way up through, you know, Veterans Day and Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, I don't even know so, what Veterans Day is. I don't either. Veterans Day is the 11th. It's a federal holiday. Of November? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Armistice Day when World War One ended. Yeah, I know, I know like what the holiday is. I just don't know when it falls because you don't get that day off in college. True. Out of practice. He just made a face, yeah. yes. <laughs> a different podcast, I guess, about Columbus Day and Veterans Day. Oh, yeah. well, mm. they put our fall break on Columbus Day this year. Yeah, we don't get Columbus Day off. We went to school that day. 
But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you'll be, like, kicking it on the 11th, and we'll be over here. So now it's about the time where everybody is just dragging themselves along. Right. And as you say, now is about the time where it should be obvious that whether you're going to be able to do the heavy lift for the semester or not. And for us, we have something that comes out called midterm downs, just after midterms. So assuming that your exams have been done and your grades have been calculated, every student on campus receives a notification if they have below a C. So C minus D plus D, D minus F. If you have one of those, you receive a notification from your instructor in every class that you have one of those. I've had to submit midterm grades um, at other institutions just so that students know where they stand. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that at your institution, it's a good time to do a reality check. Yeah. So, Melody, um, my professor doesn't post my grades online. Oh. <laughs> how, how, do okay. I, how could I possibly know what my grade is? Um, do they give you back your tests or your papers or your homework? Likely. Yeah, perhaps you should go back and look at those things. Uh, there's a syllabus, I'm also assuming, that breaks down how much each of those things are worth. I'm sure I've never seen such a thing. I'm sure it's available online. <laughs> or I'm lying because we're required by law yeah. to have them. <laughs> so, I'm going to stop you guys right there. So, I mean, it, it sounds like what you guys are saying is, is the, uh, the symptom is that the the responsibility is on the student to go seek this out versus right. what they're used to when they're in high school. Yeah. Right, and I've heard from students that, and that, like, I know this is what's been going on in K through 12 is putting their stuff online, letting parents go in and access their grades, those kinds of things. Um, and so they're used to that. But here, while we have that option to do so, it is an option. There are people who are not going to put your grades in the online system because they still write things down in their paper grade book, and they're full tenured professors, and they can do that. And students are like, well, why can't they make them? Because they're full tenured professors. There's very little you can make a professor, and certainly a full tenured professor, do. Um, besides, besides turning in grades, that's required. That's required. That is required. At some institutions, you don't nece- you can't necessarily even make them teach a class. They can buy out their teaching load. Mm-hmm. Well, that must be nice. Yeah, I mean, not us, but other. Yeah, we can't do that. So I get here's what it is: is why is it why is it cute in in Harry Potter where all the professors there get to do things differently and grade differently and write it on paper and send it to you on an owl, but in the in the real world when tenured professors do that, it's suddenly we have to force this this standardizedness. But anyway, anyway, going on. I mean, you're saying my students wouldn't appreciate having to write what is it like 38 inches? of paper by hand and quill, that would be a problem. Yeah. You can magic that. That's fine. (laughs) But, I mean... Yeah, so, like, if they're not putting stuff online... So, I have a colleague, um, and I have a few, but I have this one in particular who really... She just doesn't put things... uh, She does put things on Moodle. She does now, but, like, as soon as like, well, I don't know what my grade is. She's like, well, do some basic math and figure it out. Like, that's seriously, like, if you're in college and you can't figure out weighted grades, then you shouldn't be in college. Or you should take algebra. Or go ask the math teacher, maybe. I don't know. So even then, like, today, so I I took over a a colleague's class, and she's doing her grades in a different way than I do mine. It's on a thousand-point, like, scale. But we haven't, we don't have a thousand points. 
like get. They don't have the possibility to have earned that. And I had students who were freaking out because they're like, I'm doing horrible in this class. And I was like, we don't have a thousand points. And they could not figure out how to add up how many points we actually had. So I had to take like 10 minutes to talk about this. Like that's, yes. yes. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that was kind of what I do want to contrast this briefly with Drew, you were saying, or we were talking earlier before we started about kind of the setup that happens in your district where, so we have midterm downs, which is not necessarily across the border required. What, what is the standard where you're at? How often do they get this kind of feedback? Yeah, so the great reporting, I'm not sure what California Ed Code is, but this is what we do. <laughs> um, and it is, it's like, it's laid out in, in state law. You know how frequently we're supposed to report and which ones mean something. We give a first quarter progress report, first quarter grade. That's an actual report card that goes home, and then a second quarter progress, and then the second quarter grade, which is like the semester finals in December after mm-hmm. everything's finished. Well, so we get two and they get four. Right, and the progress report is just a progress report, and a lot of times, as you know, when I was a teacher, that's the progress report is where I would not have basically any leeway, and I would I would put the grade pretty harshly in there as far as if it, if it's missing, it's a zero with not any leeway at all, so that students would get a realistic progress report of you're missing assignments, your grade is terrible, but it doesn't that progress report doesn't show up on a transcript, right. December grade that shows up on the transcript when colleges look. So the progress report is more for the parents. We also have in between that progress report and the first quarter, what, what you you would have a midterm there, is back to school night where the parents can come in, optional, come in and and you know talk about why why is this progress report so terrible. <laughs> those are the opportunities. There's more than that, of course, but those are the built-in structural opportunities for feedback where. It's the parents a lot of times getting the mail or coming into back to school night to figure out from the teacher what are the assignments to prioritize, which can I forget about, and which do I really need to focus on. And then they tell their kids, look, the teacher said you just have to do these three assignments or this paper or this whatever assignment. And they're kind of mediating and doing the responsibility in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, the, or a lot of them are able to. I don't mean to like paint parents in a bad way but that's a lot of what's happening at those conversations because you know districts are trying to communicate with parents so it's the parents that are that are you know the ones at the front of this conversation saying well what's why is this missing why is this a b and so i mean that seems i mean to mirror a lot i mean it's more often but mirrors a lot about uh you said progress report doesn't go on your transcript your midterm down does not go on your transcript either you know you can in some courses pull that up to something awesome. In other courses, like, you've done half the work poorly, and you could do the second half awesome, and you're still going to be stuck halfway in between with not an awesome grade. But, it, I mean, you're right to point out that it's, it's the parents who are doing sort of the organizing and the prioritizing, and now that you're in college, that falls on the students. So that midterm down goes to the student. It does not go to their parents. Yeah, no, so I, I guess I want to make it clarify and hedge a little bit like there are students who are able to handle their business and be responsible for themselves and communicate with teachers 
it's just that the structure as it is right now is built so that parents some are able to take on this responsibility for their students if they're uh, choosing to or if they're not aware of it and enabling not on purpose or maybe they're enabling on purpose. Not to say that this is the only way that students operate, but it's the ability is there, whereas at, at university, a lot of those like crutches or supports are cut off. Right, yeah, and, and not to say that all students get midterm downs. Not all students have their parents doing this for me. Some students are doing awesome right now. But it's the ones that are struggling that might need some, some guidance on this stuff. Professor Denny, uh, <clears throat> how do I get an A in your class? Oh, goodness. Are you asking me this now in week 11, or are we pretending like this is August? Let's start with yeah. now. <laughs> well, I'd have to ask you what your current grade is, because it might not be mathematically possible. <laughs> I, oh, I will point out one thing. In general, students are like, what is my grade, what is my grade, what is my grade? And I was like, okay, I could calculate this for you, but if I'm handing you back stuff, you are like, I'm doing poorly on the quizzes and homework, you're doing poorly in my class. Yeah, math like, works that way. <laughs> if you're like, oh, I think I'm killing it, then you're probably killing it. I mean, looking at the grades. Sometimes you're like, I crushed that quiz, and I hand it back to you, and you're like, ah, I got crushed by that quiz. Yeah. So a student comes in, week 11 is all like, how do I get an A? Yeah, this, that ship might have already sailed. Right. Like, I can do the calculations. <clears throat> I don't really love to do that. That's not my favorite. But I can. Um, but most of the time when a student comes in and asks that question, it's probably too late. Almost always. It is often the question asked by students who have realized, as we say, like, the writing's on the wall now as to what's going to go down, you know, sort of GPA-wise in this class. And that question is usually the student who's like, oh, no. I thought this was going to be a blow-off. This is not a blow-off. And now I'm realizing that my GPA will actually be affected by this class. I really want an A, but you're realizing you're not going to get an A. And often the students that ask that question are the ones who are like, y'all getting a D or a C. <laughs> yeah, so typically it's the students who are like, you're in here because, you're, because the follow-up question is, well, is there anything I can do? Can I do extra credit? Or can I turn that in late? Because you really know in your heart of hearts it's probably not even mathematically possible for you to get an A. I think, like, this is the student who we're hoping is listening to this podcast, right? Yeah. Or has a friend who will then tell them whose right, who friend is listening to this podcast. So we're thinking, like, next semester, spring semester, let's not get to whenever this, when is the situation in spring? March? April? Um... And so, it, I don't know, in, in my head, it's like you have to make structural changes in the way you student, you know, and that's a verb, right? In the way you are a student and the way you live as a student in, in order to make this not happen again, right? You have to, rather than come in and say, I'm going to attack this, I'm going to, oh, yeah, go killer. I'm, I'm super confident and, and gung-ho and cheerleading. You turn it into action plans and say, you know, these are the days I'm going to the library and put it on the calendar and turn this into an action plan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's usually the way, well, that's usually the way it kind of ends up. I would much rather <clears throat> a student come in after I've returned the first essay or the first graded assignment and be like, this isn't what I want in this class. I want something better. How can I do that? Because from that point forward, like that first time, one, it tells me that you're interested in improving which I'm always a fan of, um, and two, 
we can actually have a conversation and because that's still possible at this point. So I had this on my syllabus and it's not like they ever really listen to me or pay attention to anything, but the time to be concerned about your grade is now, which is the first day of class, not before the drop date. True. Yeah. How typical is it in college? I, I'm certain it doesn't happen in high school because we're mandated to serve students. They have to be in, they have to be in my classroom. <laughs> You know, but how typical is it to turn around and, and ask that question of students basically during class and say, hey, here's your first feedback, here's your first assignment, major assignment, turn back, look at that grade. Let's say that's your grade in the class. Are you satisfied? And follow-up question, what's your plan to make it different if you're not satisfied? I think I've done that zero times. I've done that zero times. Yeah, and I, I don't know how I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> He's like, ah, you guys are horrible educators. No, no, I, mean, I, I don't do that in my class. I, I've had that discussion with individuals, but not not as a whole class. And, and I just, you know, like we've been talking about on this podcast, it's a different classroom situation in, in your spot than in my spot. But, I mean, I guess part of me is hoping, and maybe this is just all that is as a hope, is that students are self-regulating in some ways to look at that grade and go, huh, is this what I want to make in the class? What can I do to change that if this is not what I want to make? Well, and in the class, certainly for much of the structure for a writing seminar is built on the structures of your classes, and they, they have that in there. They turn that first paper in, and they have a professor draft, and they can revise it based on the grade and feedback right you know they can at that point be like this is not the grade i want i'm going to revise it or they can be all like you know what i'm cool with this grade yeah it's time to party some first year students first semester students are not necessarily making that rational no. thought process ahead of time no. some of us being like you know when i was telling you guys before we started recording I'm taking bigger than a full course load and then dropping one course every semester. You know, my thought process there was not, oh, well, it wasn't like a rational thought-out thing. It was just, I couldn't tell you a rational thought-out reason for that. I don't know what was, that decision was not based on some kind of mastery of, of how school works. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you were strategizing. Mm. I was like, why? Every yeah, semester? No, I wouldn't suggest that to anybody, but, you know, who, who knows what a you know eighteen nineteen year old is? Well, I thinking. mean, I've had discussion with colleagues who are advisors, and you know, like I, they advise them to take an extra class mm -hmm. and then drop one. My philosophy is different. If they're first coming in, I want them to go from strength to strength, from success to success. So I rather they take a standard load mm -hmm. that they're comfortable with, that they're pretty sure they can rock, rock it, go into the next semester, do the same thing. Now, start thinking about expanding their credit load. Uh, once they know what college is like. But that's me. That's my advice. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have that wiggle room, but it's nicer not to need it. The idea maybe behind it was if I made a fake rationale at this point in my life, it would be like if I had, you know, whatever it is, six classes and one of them's extra, whichever one I don't think I'm going to pass is the one I'm going to drop, right? So I can mm -hmm. still have a full load, keep my financial aid, you know, keep my standing in the in the university and still drop a class. So, you know, I can feel like I'm lessening my workload and feel like I'm de-stressing my workload and have that leeway of not really knowing at the beginning which class is going to be the hardest. But, oh, I found it now. Drop. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a similar kind of philosophy for my colleague who's think there's like stretch, challenge, see if you can do it. Mm -hmm. You can drop it if you can't. But often that, that realization of whether a class is going to be uh, tenable or not, doable, happens after the drop without paying money deadline yeah. for us. Show up, show up on the transcript now is when that realization happens. And often, like, you just get in that groove, and it's not until after midterms that you're like, oh, oh, one of these has got to be dropped. And here, that costs you $15 to drop a class. Small price. <laughs> it, I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's enough to make it annoying, yeah. but it's not enough to, like, in general, to make it a big financial burden since, like, you're paying way more than that on books. I mean, here's a, here's a question. This is on topic but slightly astray. Is I had one class, and the professor got her Ph.D. in Austria from Vienna, and she didn't give any grades in the gradebook until November, like, 15th. It was the first grade in the gradebook. That seems a little shady. So we wouldn't have had any feedback to say how well we were doing in the class until November. And then we had like three or four grades in the great book, and that was the whole course. Like we did we did classwork every day, and we were, you know. But there was not a, uh, a grade hit for like uh, bailing out and going to hit the restaurant or something. You know what I mean? Like, right. I've not gone to school in the U.K., but that's – seems to match more my impression of what that is, which is basically, you got to be doing this work during the semester, but it all just comes down to one exam at the end. Yeah. And that could have been really challenging for a person. I happened to be strong in that subject and killed that class, I did really well. But I think a lot of people were, were frustrated that they, their, their feedback didn't occur until a month and a half before school's out. Yeah, I would imagine they would get complaints to their, to their boss. I mean, I don't know what would come of that. They're tenured, nothing. Because <laughs> there's not really anything you can do based on that. I want to shift gears a little bit here. So let's say that I am a student who's made it to week 11. Week 10, week 11. The stuff has hit the fan. I'm not covered in the stuff. <laughs> I may have just asked a professor how to get an A in their class when I'm getting a solid C. On a good day. On a good day. <laughs> Where do I go now? How do I prioritize? How do I strategize? Like, it's not like you just reach this point and it's all like, well, hit the reset button, go back to my save file, try it again. Like, you got to move forward. How do you, how do we move forward? I'm a student. I'm dying. What am gonna, I do? What am I going to do? I'm going to predict your plan of what your what what happens in college. Let me see if I've got this right. So at that point, my professor is going to tell me to visit the academic skills center and make a plan and get a calendar and or, or the academic skill center people tutors are going to say here's our hours for tutoring of that subject and you know let's look at the syllabus and sit down and plan time right is that something close seems reasonable yeah i mean i would not do it <laughs> seems, <laughs> it seems like a good element to what i would tell them to do yeah i mean well so that's what we do in, in, in at high school over here is we have a, a student-led tutoring situation where you go sign up or teachers can like recommend you for for by subject and mm -hmm. so students who are strong in that subject or ap math ap calculus can come and tutor the lower math class students at different times during and after school and different some of the teachers also offer tutoring and there's a saturday school program and all kinds of different uh you know to get 
high school kids to pass their courses and get a diploma. So that's the items that we would be throwing on them is like, let's, let's get a calendar together. Let's get a, a planner. If you don't have one, let's look at the assignments in this or that class and start working on them and tutoring on them. So my first question for my students who've been coming in with their midterm downs or whatever, my advisees is, do you not understand the content or are you just not doing the work? Because those are two very different problems. And they, they're usually pretty honest. Well, I've done most of the work. Or I understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I just, I've just been a really crazy semester or whatever. <laughs> tell me about it. Um, oh, yeah. No, really don't. Actually, don't tell me yeah, about no, it. Okay. Just, that was rhetorical. <laughs> Uh, or if like if they're really struggling you're like well I just don't understand this at all and so then like my strategies or my advice for how to handle those are just different Mm -hmm. so like the planner situation the time management stuff like that's like how can we get you motivated and sometimes they're like well I don't know it's just not due so I don't do it I'm like all right well come in and see me I want to see your homework and so like I'm kind of doing like these are for first-year students. I wouldn't want to do this for upper-division-level students. But if they're really having a hard time setting those um, milestones for themselves, those check-ins or whatever, then I sort of make them report to me. I'm like, swing by my office on Tuesday. I want to see what you got mm-hmm. or whatever. And so that where I show them my planner, I do like a bullet journal and stuff like that. I actually have like four or five students who do it now. <laughs> <laughs> But, and I'm like, where's your phone? Do you have your calendar? Let's set up some reminders. You almost certainly have a calendar on your phone. Yeah. And Even like, if you have a phone that's not a smartphone. Right. And some of them are like, well, I never use it. I'm like, okay, let's get over that crap. And so, like, trying to use the resources that we have to kind of get a hold of it. And if it's like, well, I don't understand the content, I'm like, have you talked to Professor Highland? Probably not. Probably not is the answer. Number one, make an appointment to see him today. <laughs> See what he has to say. Come back to me and tell me what that was. You know, and then it's like, are there tutors available? Can you hook up with somebody in the class to get some notes or whatever? But my strategies are different depending on what's actually happening. Because here it can be, and I'm sure it's the same in high school, but some of it could be just like, I'm not getting it, or I don't know, I just don't really care right now. Those are just different. I don't really care right now is... I wouldn't say it's my favorite, no. but it means my responsibility is basically zero at this point. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't really care right now. Okay. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I invest as much in my students as they invest in my classes. So. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that, that takes a, a certain level of, of self-awareness to be able to say, hey, I don't really care about this class right now. And then if I had you know, identified that, I don't think I would have bothered to go and check anything out. I would have gone to the registrar and dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they usually don't say I don't care. There are a couple times you're like, oh, I just don't care about this class. I don't understand the point. At which point I'm like, you're going to have to suck it up and go on because this is life. But, uh, yeah, you're going to do a lot of stuff you don't like from, like, the rest of your life. So get ready. Yeah. But they're usually like, well, I got sick at the beginning of the semester. I dropped, you know, like, I don't know, I just dropped the ball. It's mostly just about them kind of blowing things off and now realizing that, mm. Things pile up. Yeah, so once again, I mean, that goes back to the – the, the legitimate excuses that I've heard for, for things are short. They're very <laughs> short. <laughs> yeah. Grandma got yes. cancer, and I was in Arizona for two weeks helping her die. Okay, that impacted yes. my classes, you know? Yeah. Like th- 
those those excuses are very short. They're like two sentences. It's not this long drawn out thing about your roommate and your sister and the right. car broke and and then I, they tried to get an extra part but it cost too much money and it was from Germany. I mean, yeah. the story doesn't need to be that long. That yeah. sounds like an actual story. <laughs> so just write that one up. Get it published in a student paper. You know, just start your literary career with that. I mean, it's like okay. I changed my meds and things are really I've not settled down. You know, short. Yeah. 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 If it takes Done. you like thirty minutes to go through everything that's gone wrong, and it's like, well, I did this and this happened, and then I had to do my roommate, and then my sister. And this tech week at the play, and oh, it's like just. Say that right now. No, if you, if you have a, if you have to have a character sheet for your excuse, mm-hmm. that's not an excuse. That... Yeah. One of the things that I end up uh, doing for my students because I. Some of my, my one-on-one classes have a number of moving parts. I mean, they're actually moving parts. They're a number of things that make up their grade. So I'll be like, your biggest hits are in uh, your homework and quiz scores. So you got to get on top of that homework. Yeah. And doing well in that homework is probably going to help your quiz scores because they're the same types of questions. You it's know? weird how it's, like, connected. I, just, oh. I don't know, man. It's almost like you planned it. <laughs> Seems like that. I'll be used to hearing this from high school where we said, why did I assign the homework if not to help you on the quiz scores, which is 80% of your grade? I think that you assign homework because you enjoy grading it. Oh, nothing could be farther from the truth. <laughs> yeah, trust me, if I didn't have to grade stuff, my life would be better. Oh, man, if I could sacrifice a pig and get a magical TA to like do all my stuff for me. What's a pig doing to you? You're going to get emails. Nothing. He's gonna, he's, that pig's going to give me a TA. <laughs> I'm doing it in a heartbeat I'm just saying, like, you know, we didn't get any question emails, but you're going to get an email about that pig comment. Yeah. I will. I will. Very nice. <clears throat> I welcome the comments. <laughs> but that, I mean, that just goes to show, like, yeah. Like, I think you said once, and I really, like, I quoted you a few times. Don't worry, I gave you credit. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, we, we don't get paid to teach, we get paid to grade. Because yeah. that's where we really earn our paychecks is when we're like, I hate everything. <laughs> 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 trying to grade, and I'm like... Why? What am I doing with my life? So really, really, the homework is not to keep you busy or not to keep us in a job. I would probably have a job if I didn't give you homework. It's to make sure that you can know some stuff and, like, you know, not fail that test or that you're ready for that essay or whatever. Well, I mean, is it true? I mean, most, my perception is most professors would like their classes to be good at whatever that topic is they're teaching, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, yeah. But, I mean, there's, are, there might be some teachers still grading on a curve, but for the most, I mean, professors, but for the most part, it's like if everybody has A knowledge in physics, everybody gets an A. Absolutely. In my so, classes. That's the Come take my classes. You can get an A. If you work at it, you got to have to work at it. I'm not going to lie. But to me, like, if I didn't care and I was grading on a curve, no homework day. But if I want to have evidence and verify that my students are ready for a quiz before the quiz, that's what the homework is, is for. Absolutely. Well, and the homework also helps me see um, where there might be holes in what I'm teaching. So if they're not making connections in like the short writing assignments or the in-class group work then I know where I need to fill in so that they can successfully complete that larger writing assignment and it's probably the same for you with homework to kind of feel like okay everybody's bombing whatever I don't know anything about physics or even astronomy <laughs> the bloody blah blah that you're like, I guess I need to go over that again mm-hmm. in class yeah I mean I start my classes with what do we need to talk about so that they've done the reading Extensively. If they don't do the reading, they're only shooting themselves in the foot. Like, what don't you get? 
Like you could have even looked at the homework ahead of time and <clears throat> been like, I don't understand how to do this math problem. Tell me about Newton's version of Kepler's third law. Okay. Happy to do so. Let's dig into this. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, the advice that I would give is, for my advisees, I actually haven't had any come in with this, or maybe, I don't think I got any midterm downs from my advisees, which is really rare. <laughs> well, count yourself. Or maybe I did and they haven't shown up yet, which no, is a problem. Weren't. You would have gotten emails. What can you drop? Yeah. If you're taking a standard load, for us, that's 15 credits, you can drop a three-credit course and still be fully enrolled. That decision, and uh, I've, I've had a student, an advisee, drop a course this semester. Mm-hmm. And they were like, should I drop? It's like, do you know you're going to need to? It's like, yeah. Then, I got a 50%. It's like, then you should do that sooner rather than later. Every day you spend committed to that class. You are taking time away from all your other courses. Right. Your grade in your other courses are dropping because you're having to spend time and attention and energy on this one that you're going to drop anyway. So why are you pulling that around with you when it's just slowing you down. Cut it loose and focus on the things you, that you can do better. I mean, go ahead, Drew. Yeah, that, that's what we're, we're trying to teach as a teacher or a professor is that, that the decision-making between good and better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is really challenging versus it's obvious to say it's better to stay enrolled than to completely drop out. But the choice between should I drop this class or that class or drop this class or not drop this class you know, good and better, is is a difficult adult decision. You know, an advisor to to help them uh, make that decision. But that's where we're we're aiming at, right? Is is this ability to make those that discerning choice between good and better? Yes, I would like to speak directly to any young men listening to this podcast, which is that I don't give up is the absolute worst reason to stay in my classes. I mean. Women can think the same thing. I I get this almost. I I have gotten this almost exclusively from young men, because hmm. they're because it's it's a macho, it's a male masculine thing. I follow through. I don't give up. I complete the task, and I'm going to be like, okay, let's let's step back for a second. Completing the task is doing well in physics. I've I've had I would say, as dangerous as this sounds as an educator to put this on a public podcast, but I've had pretty good success with a little bit of giving up once in a while or knowing when to quit and come no, back to it. Yeah, I mean, dropping the class doesn't mean you're never going to come back to it. Right. I mean, it's just not now. Just not now. And that is a braver decision for most people than staying in, and it is a better decision for most people than staying in. So I can attack it again from a different angle and come back. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and sometimes you're just not ready, and that's Absolutely. fine. You know, do like, oh, wow, I probably need a few more semesters of whatever before I come back to this. Or maybe I should complete college algebra before going into something else. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe it's just like, well, I'm not so good at math and science. Well, let's not load up your semester with those classes. You know, and I think sometimes it's about, like, help, helping them have balance and helping them figure out, like, well, let's give you a couple classes that you feel really confident in and a couple of classes that you know you might have to work a little harder in. So I try to strategize even mm-hmm. building their schedule to begin with. Um, but not everybody has an advisor like that. Sometimes you just sign up for whatever you sign up for, and you're like, why did I take five lit classes? You shouldn't have. That is awful. That is past <laughs> you really not liking future you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a science major, and I never took a semester of all science classes. No. That would have been 
the worst. And I love math and science. I'm a math minor and a physics major. I took like three years of just straight music classes every semester. Yeah, but you had no choice because those programs are crazy. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm not mistaken, you were kind of crazy in the middle of that program. Uh, Yeah, all the way through. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was, that's, that's why I was taking more than a full load and dropping one course every semester. It's, it was, well, that's a topic for another time. <laughs> I love talking about myself, though. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, one of the things is to step back and be like, you don't have to complete everything right now. Yeah. If you can get away with it. If you're dropping below full-time enrollment, that can be a real issue for your Yeah, yeah academic, but most of the time financial. it's not a complete deal breaker. Let's talk about what our mm-hmm. options are. Like today I had a student who dropped a class, I had to sign her drop form, and I'm like, let's just look one more time at how many credits you're enrolled in and what this takes you down to, and we calculated one more time because she wants to get her associate's degree in the spring, and so she realizes that by dropping this three-credit hour class this semester, she has to tack on a three-credit hour class in the spring to meet her minimum credit requirement for graduation. So if you know that, if you make that decision, knowing that, uh, you're, you're just better informed. Just be like, well, just drop it just to drop it. Well, there are consequences. Like, yeah. if we had done the, hadn't done the math or whatever, what if she, what if she it was not mathematically possible, you know? Or you roll into the next semester having signed up for the standard load, not realizing that you needed to add that extra class in there to get yourself out in time. I mean, sometimes I'm talking to students and they're like, no, I really want to drop this. It's like, in order to graduate on time, you're going to have to pick this class up later. Now, if you're in a four-year degree, you can probably pick that up in your junior or your senior year with like a breath class or a core requirement class. And you're like, okay, cool. You know, you can, you can handle those 100, 200 level courses those years a lot easier. And like, it's not going to be a big stretch. But if, you know, you're going to be out in two years or next semester and yeah. you're dropping three credits, mm, that's, that's, a, that's a bigger lift. There's less time to grow. There's less option for courses to take. So I guess like if we're thinking about listening to this at the beginning of the semester, <laughs> if this is like your, you know, your present self talking to your past self, but to like just know what's going on, you know, you know, know what your credits are, know what's, you know, how many credits you're enrolled in and how many you could stand to drop or what, how, what that might do to your spring semester. Or your next fall, because yeah. like not you, every class is offered in the right. fall and spring. If you drop French or Spanish one, you can't take French or Spanish one in the spring. It's not offered here. You have to take it. And I'm like, well, are you going to take your science in the spring? Well, I don't know. Well, good luck trying to get the science of the lab in a four credit hour language class in the same semester. That is a juggle. Ooh, so like, yeah, just, like, they don't thinking, mix well. No, they don't. The scheduling is not not awesome. Yeah. So I mean. I'm hearing like this is a, a what does the French call it in cooking? Mise en place. Mise en place. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My wife will be correcting me in her headphones. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. Where where I you have to be able to. Uh, in, I think in NASCAR they. I, I could be making this Wait, up. We went from French to NASCAR. Okay. There's a connection, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. It's the same concept. They say you have to slow down to speed up. So you have to actually downshift into the turn so that you can get out of the turn faster than the other guy who didn't downshift. Right. You do speed up out of the turn. Accelerate from the apex through the turn. Oh, gosh. 
We so watched watch the Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Andrea. Sorry, sorry, sorry. If you sit down and look at your roadmap and have an idea of how college works, ha, selected, <laughs> and you know the, the credits you're trading by dropping or adding, and you're fully informed, then you can speed up and go faster and, and be successful next semester and the rest of this semester and mm-hmm. what have you. But it, it takes, you know, being more prepared at the beginning of a term. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just comes down to, like, I don't know. I know this is a big transition for from high school to college, and it's actually a, lar- a lot bigger transition than I've given it credit for in the last 10 years. <laughs> Whoops. But, yeah, because you're going from not really being in charge of things uh, to totally being in charge of things. Um, and that's a little scary at first, but you really need to know this stuff. I mean, one thing is that, you know, we're talking about you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Ideally, if you're like, I, there's things I need to do, I don't know what they are, but talk to your advisor. Yeah. Talk to your academic advisor, talk to your professor, talk to, I mean, the Academic Skills Center. I mean, as always, there are people and resources there who to help you, who want to help you, not just because it's their job, but it's their job because it's their vocation, it's their calling, it's what they want to do. So it's not like you have to be totally independent all on your own right now. If it's the beginning of the semester, if it's the middle of the semester. But you do have to ask questions and you look do, for help. You have to start the ball rolling. Yeah. You, have to, you have to send that email, knock on that door and say, I need help. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm freaking out. I'm scared about how this semester is going to end. And then hopefully your advisor will sit you down and be like, okay, here's a Kleenex. You know, let's talk this through. Let's figure something out. But I never give up, man. I never give up. Uh, you can come back and finish that course next time and do awesome at it. There's no need to do I mean, it now. One semester in one class is not, you know, that doesn't mean a giving up. Are you still pursuing your degree? Are you still, you know what I mean? Right, like yeah. You have to think big game, long game here, not just. Yeah, and that's the thing is that it's. it's redefine it. Yeah, you get to, yeah, redefine it. You're right. It's a long game. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not, you know, are you going to make it through this semester? Maybe you will, but like it's going to shoot your GPA because you're crushed under the weight of the minute number of credit hours you're taking. If you can reduce that and come back and pick it back up later, there's no shame in that. That doesn't mean you quit or that you failed. That means that you made a, an intelligent decision. You know, if you want to go all like fighting wars and battle stuff, like you don't always just engage in every single fight. Like you retreat and find the adv- the advantage. You find the place where it is where you can make the stand that is best for you, not play on their field by their rules. So you don't have to finish the class now. You can finish it later if that's what's better for you. And there and that's just smart. <laughs> that's just good planning. Yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult to see that decision in the context of it, or when you're when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, because you've committed to this thing. But that's, that's why we're talking to people. Yeah. 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 Bummer. Yeah. We're tired. I'm tired. It is week 11. It's a Monday. It uh, it's feels, cold outside. It feels like a Thursday afternoon to me. It's getting darker Just, earlier. I'm just ready to go home and, like, cuddle with the dogs. What, what I'm not going to miss in the classroom is three days' worth of Halloween candy. See you later, guys. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> Telling kids to put their candy wrappers in the trash? No, I don't miss that. Oh. I don't really have that problem. Yeah. Mm. Really? 
No yeah. Halloween candy at, at campus, huh? Well, I actually took some candy in this today to give them some, um, but they each took like one or two little pieces and they all put their trash in the They're trash like, I'm going to go trick-or-treating. I'm like, sure you are. Because I don't hand out candy to college students. <laughs> it better be the best freaking costume ever. Yeah, if they're in a costume, that's different. If, but if it better be a really good costume. Because oh I have little kids that show up to my door. And no, I'm not giving you, you know, 19-year-old college student the candy that's supposed to go to the 6-year-old who lives down the street. Buy more candy, you Scrooge. <laughs> Wrong holiday. <laughs> You're a Halloween Scrooge. Maybe I just want to buy them all and eat them all myself. Yeah. I mean, I bought candy just so I could have some on my desk. I mean, that's the thing. Is all like, they're like, oh, trick or treat. It's like, y'all are adults. You can buy your own candy anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I buy bags of it all the time. <laughs> that's what being an adult means. Candy today? Yes. Candy tomorrow? Absolutely. Candy next week? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I'm pretty sure we've done a grocery store run for big bags of candy. I think there's been times when I've been like, oh, it's a little late. I'm here. What I need is some Ben and Jerry's. You know what? Grocery store is like a block away. Going to make a run right now. Do you eat the entire pint? Uh, often, yeah. When I do like, that. Do you know how many calories that is? Dude, it's it does like not happen 1,200 calories. Mm. Why would you look at the calories? You're, you're having ice cream. Uh, well... Cut this, whole, no, cut this whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So what I was saying was oh, that we sorry. were tired, that we're tired. Yeah. Right. We feel it. We feel it. I feel that my students are tired. They're dragging. I'm dragging. So do what you can at the beginning of the semester to help mitigate this. <laughs> this is a bad day. This is a bad week. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. do yourself a favor. And I'm always like, okay. What, what would future Melody appreciate? Yeah. So future Melody would appreciate if past Melody, if August Melody had planned things a little better or had, you know, written down all the due dates or, you know, so that you can plan and have, this will be, it's still going to be a rough time, but at least you can get over it and get through it. Um, yeah. So. And, and when you hit the rough time, ask for help. Reach out. Reach out. You don't have to carry this by yourself. There are people who can help you and give you good advice. It may not be your roommate, though. <laughs> they don't really know. They tend to not. They tend to have advice that sounds really good at the time, but turns out to not have been really great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good luck, everybody. Hang Carry on. There. Soldier on. You can do it. It's okay if you drop something. <laughs> you take it later. <laughs> Yes. All right. We can tell that we're so yeah, tired. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everything due now? I don't know. Did you make the due dates? I did. Mine are <laughs> evenly spaced. It's the it's yeah. the it's the back lo- it's the back loading of of actually the writing seminar because we had to like get them to where they could do some writing and now it's writing writing writing. It's yeah. sort of like the first it is, half seems it is very backloaded. First half seems like this is not a problem. Now it's like oh yeah off the recording yet? No. No. So <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Bye. Not even going to give you an email. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, oh, geez. You can reach me on Twitter. I'm doc- Dr. Highland at Dr. Highland. You can reach me on email. I'm peter.o.highland at gmail.com. Yay. Whew. All right. <sighs> Bye.